0: Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. Episode 50, Remembering John Lennon. As of December the 8th, 2022, the United States has had 705 mass shootings. A mass shooting is generally described as a shooting in which four or more people were injured. The total number dead 736 total number of people wounded, 2,785. And of these, five occurred at a school or university, and two of these mass shootings have occurred at a place of worship. Now, keep in mind, these totals are as of the end of November. We still don't know about December unfortunately. And keep in mind, this is not a total of people who were shot and killed. This is just mass shootings. 705. And we have pretty much averaged more than one a day every single day so far this year and sometimes it's two or three or more mass shootings a day. Shows that during the month of July we had 100 mass shootings in the United States so that would be more than more than three a day. 42 years ago on December the 8th, 1980 at around 5 o'clock in the afternoon, John Lennon signed a copy of his double fantasy album for a guy by the name of Mark David Chapman. This happened as... John Lennon and his wife, Yoko Ono, were leaving their apartment building, which is known as the Dakota. And they were headed to the record plant for a recording session. The recording session lasted about five hours or so. And after the session was over, Lennon and Ono returned to the Dakota. And about 10.50 Eastern Standard Time that night, they, as they were exiting the limousine and began to walk through the archway of the building to enter, Chapman, who had received an autograph just hours earlier, shot Lennon twice in the back and twice in the shoulder at close range. Lennon was rushed to the emergency room of Roosevelt Hospital in a police car. And when he arrived at 11.15 p.m., he was pronounced dead on arrival. Approximately, oh, he was, uh, yeah, 10.50 was when he arrived at the building, and at 11.15 he arrived at the... Hospital. So, uh, about what, 25 minutes? The next day, Lennon's now widow, Yoko Ono, released a statement stating that there would be no funeral for John, and she ended it with. Quote, John loved and prayed for the human race. Please do the same for him. End quote. His remains were cremated at Ferncliff Cemetery in Hartsdale, New York. And Yoko Ono scattered his ashes in Central Park in New York City. And... The location is where the Strawberry Fields Memorial is now located. The murderer Chapman avoided going to trial when he ignored his lawyer's advice and pleaded guilty to second degree murder and he was sentenced to 20 years to life. In the weeks after the murder, the song Just Like Starting Over and the album Double Fantasy both topped the charts in the United Kingdom and the US. The song Imagine hit number one in the United Kingdom in January of 1981 of course that was originally released 10 years earlier. And Happy Christmas, Happy Xmas peaked at number 2. And interestingly enough for those who like trivia John Lennon of course was one of the original members of the Beatles. And prior to his death as a single artist, after he left the Beatles, Lennon apparently only had one single that topped the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 charts. And that was a song called Whatever Gets You Through the Night which uh, Elton John was also on that uh, song. He did uh, backing vocals and piano. And that really surprised me. I I would have thought that John Lennon would have had a lot more big hits. But, uh, of course, he wrote a lot of songs also. The death of John Lennon is one of those moments that I remember where I was, what I was doing, and it's one of those memories that just kind of sticks with you pretty much forever. That night, I was sitting on the floor in an apartment that I had just rented. I was sitting in the area where the dining room table and everything would be eventually, but my, some of my furniture had been moved. I had other stuff that was being packed and would be moved in the next day or two. And I had purchased some things that I was waiting for them to be delivered also. And so I didn't have my table and chairs and I did have some of the kitchen stuff it was in the kitchen, but it was still boxed up. I had set up my stereo cabinet and my stereo system because at the time that was always a priority for me. And I think I had a, I think my television was there in, in a TV cabinet as well. And I had a shower curtain and towels in the bathroom, but uh, didn't have a bed. The bedroom furniture was, I think it was actually delivered either the very next day. Uh, I'm not sure, but it was within a day or two. And I was basically sleeping on the floor. I had pillows and blankets and stuff that I put out and I just threw them on the floor in the bedroom. And that's where I slept for a couple of nights until everything was delivered. And since I hadn't been to the grocery store to stock the refrigerator or anything like that, I think I went to Wendy's and got a hamburger and fries and was back home and was just sitting on the floor in the dining room with the overhead light on and was listening to the stereo, just the, the, a radio station. And I can't remember if they waited for... The song, or the commercial or whatever they were playing to end when they made the announcement or if they broke in. I wish I could remember, but I don't. But I do remember very clearly the announcer saying that John Lennon had just been killed in New York. And when he said that, I thought to myself, oh gosh, I'm always going to remember this. And it's not that I was a particularly huge John Lennon or Beatles fan. I definitely liked a lot of their music, but I wouldn't say that they were my favorite group or that he was my favorite artist. But it was just a moment in time where you kind of knew that things were not gonna be the same again after that. And he was very talented, wrote a lot of songs. And of course, there's just no telling what we've missed because of his death. And he was so creative. It definitely is a loss to the music world. And so 42 years ago, I just wanted to, remember John Lennon and of course we still have a problem with gun violence in this country and i would say the problem is probably worse today than it was back in you know the 1980s uh we have a lot more guns, I think, in the country today than we did back then, and I personally have been affected by gun violence during my lifetime. It's something I haven't really discussed here on this podcast. I, I My mother was murdered when I was 17. and. I'll talk about it at, at some point. But we've lost so many people to gun violence. And of course, whenever somebody tries to have a discussion about guns, the response always is, well, we have a right to guns because the Second Amendment says we have a right to guns. And I don't disagree with that at all. But what I do disagree with is the fact that things have changed since the Second Amendment was written And I believe that the Founding Fathers intended for these documents they created to be updated and changed and amended as necessary. And I know that all of the logic on both sides of this argument has been repeated over and over and over again. But the fact is, the type of weapons that we have available today are vastly different than the type of weapons that were available when the Second Amendment was written. And the folks that wrote the Second Amendment, the folks that debated it and discussed the Second Amendment, could not have possibly predicted the type of weapons that we would have available today. And I believe that the Second Amendment has been neglected by Congress. I think it should have been updated over the years just as a lot of other things should have been updated and congress has failed to do its job so the problem the fault really lies with congress to some degree and to the american people as well because we keep voting for people that aren't doing their job And you can't really expect someone who has been in the House of Representatives or in the Senate for decades and hasn't really made a huge impact on your life, you can't really expect them to do anything different than they've done in the past if you just keep voting for them. What gets the message across normally is when they start losing elections. And they're replaced by people who have a different view than they have. It's only then that they typically will take a look back and realize that they maybe should have done a little more. And while I will put part of the blame on Congress and part of it on the American people, I'm also going to put part of it on the Supreme Court. And I may sound like a broken record, but money in politics is a huge problem that we truly have got to address in this country. Because until that happens... We can't really expect anything to change. Money is indeed the root of all evil. I'm sure everyone is familiar with the Second Amendment. It is a very short one-paragraph, one-sentence statement. And it says, quote, A well-regulated militia, being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, shall not be infringed. And... I feel that the best interpretation of the Second Amendment in current time, current use, was from the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she commented. That uh, And I'm just going to, I'm not going to quote everything that she said. I'm just going to kind of say it in my own words. But she mentioned that the Second Amendment has a preamble about the need for a militia. A preamble is like the opening part of a statement. So when you look at the Second Amendment, it says a well-regulated militia... That's kind of, that's the preamble. And her comment about that was that the new government at that time didn't have the money to pay for an army. So in order to provide protection to the state, which they're not talking about a state like Florida or Texas, the, the state was kind of like the whole country. They, the, in order to have protection, they relied on state militias. And the states required that men had certain weapons and they specified in the law what weapons these people had to keep in their home. And that was done so that if they were called to respond to an emergency or an attack or or whatever, as militiamen, as members of like an army, they would have these weapons available to them. And she says that that was the entire purpose of the Second Amendment, And over the years, the Second Amendment has been reinterpreted by members of the Supreme Court that may have had political, um, <laughs> political reasons, I guess, for reinterpreting it. But in Ginsburg's opinion, the fact that this purpose— has disappeared from current interpretations, eliminates the function of the Second Amendment. So, in other words, her whole belief on the Second Amendment was that the sole reason for the Second Amendment was to make sure that the men who would need to respond to an active emergency or an attack from a foreign adversary or whatever, and they would have to serve as militia men, they wanted to make sure that they had weapons in order to fulfill that purpose. And we have to remember that this was a new nation, very young And the entire reason for it was to make sure that the people who were going to fight for the nation to protect it would have weapons. And she said basically that she viewed the Second Amendment as rooted in the time that it was written, which was, basically tied to the need to support a militia. And because having a citizen militia, a volunteer or whatever, uh, we've it's obsolete now. Because we now have uh, a National Guard, and we have an army and a navy and an air force and, you know, Marines, all of that. And when asked specifically about the Heller decision, which was decided by the Supreme Court in 2008, Justice Ginsburg says that the court erred, erred, erred. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not quite awake, I guess, that the court made an error in that decision. And her comment basically was that if the court had properly interpreted the Second Amendment, the court would have stated that the Second Amendment was very important when the country was new, was a young country, and it didn't have the resources and the assets that it has today. And she said that the Second Amendment gave uh, a qualified right to keep and bear arms, but it was for one purpose only, and that was the purpose of having militiamen who were able to fight at a moment's notice to protect and preserve the young nation. So... The thing that's missing here is, number one, there's nothing in the Second Amendment about self-protection. The right to have a gun or a weapon that you can use to protect yourself if somebody attacks you or breaks into your house in the middle of the night or whatever. And I'm not saying that that is unnecessary or that people should not have that option. But what I am saying is that there should be some form of regulation and responsibility for having arms. Originally in order to have arms, you had to be part of the militia. You had to show up for duty. If you didn't show up, I imagine they probably would have taken your weapons away from you. I don't know. Some people seem to feel that there was almost a requirement and it only applied to men at the time, of course, because they didn't want women to do things like that. Again, things have changed since then, thankfully. Things are much better for women today, but we're still not where we need to be when it comes to women's rights. But it doesn't say anything about having an, a weapon so that you can protect yourself or your family. Nor does it say that you are entitled to have a weapon or guaranteed to have a weapon by the Second Amendment in order to protect yourself from the tyranny of government. So the types of weapons that they had back then, of course, were <laughs> very different than what we have today. I know that they had like muskets and 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 things like that, but for a supreme court justice to say that an amendment has become obsolete i think says quite a bit and that's one of those things that probably should have been updated several times over the years and the thing that the thing that really catches my attention is that The right to own arms is not mentioned. When you use the word bear, that means to keep or to have, but owning something is very, very different. You can keep something that has been given to you or, you know, for a specific purpose. You can have something on you. You can carry something. You can store it. Because it has been, its use and its possession has been transferred to you by, in this case, it would be the government. When you own something, it's yours. And I don't see anything in the Second Amendment that says that you can own guns. It says that you have the right to bear them. And then there's that well-regulated militia thing. Which is very conveniently ignored. But when you own something, it is something that actually belongs to the person or the thing um, that that is mentioned. It, it's something that you have you have legal rights to. You you know if there's like a um, a permit or a title or a. Deed or whatever you own something, but you know when you're <laughs> the word bear is very different. It uh, basically says that uh, you know it's it's when it applies to a person it's it's to carry something that could include another person. You can carry you can bear a person you can bear. um, An item, an object, but it doesn't mean that you own it. And I realize that some of the meanings of some of the words have changed over the years, but I would have thought that if they wanted people to own these weapons where they were actually theirs to use as they desired, it would say that. You have a right to own these weapons. And use them as, you know, you see fit, which is kind of the interpretation today. Yeah, you're not supposed to shoot at people unless you have a reason to shoot at them. You're trying to protect yourself. Um, (laughs) But uh, this is something that Congress really should have sat down and they should have worked through it. And and why have they not done that? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Number one is, of course, money. We have politicians who take an oath of office, and then many of them get into office and very promptly forget that oath. And rather than working for the people, they are working for their donors, the lobbyists, the powerful corporations, powerful industry that has tons of money to spend. Because they know if you're in the House of Representatives, you're going to have to run every two years to keep your seat. And if you're in the Senate, you're going to have to run every six years to keep your seat. And that takes money. Especially when you consider that the midterm elections, which are normally not the big ones, of course, because you don't have a presidential election in the midterms, but we just went through a 17 plus billion dollar midterm. That's what it cost. For the advertising and all of that. $17 billion. That's expensive. So everybody has to have money, and they spend a very large percentage of their time campaigning, collecting money. In the house, you've only got two years to build up that bank account. The Senate, you've got six. And, of course, if you're the president, vice president, you've got four. So the focus is as much on money as it is on anything else, with the goal, of course, of keeping your seat. But when you're spending half of your time... Collecting money, it doesn't leave a whole lot of time for other things, does it? And when you look at the schedules that they have in the House of Representatives and in the Senate, they do have a lot of time off. Now, of course, they, the representatives and the senators do need to go back to their home districts so that they can meet with their constituents, the citizens that they're supposed to represent. But they have a limited amount of time to do that. And who do you think they're going to spend time with? The person that maybe donates $1,000 a year to them or the entity that donates many thousands of dollars or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars to them? That is why the whole thing about free speech and money being, you know, money is free speech, it's, it's not. M- money kills free speech. It removes the right of free speech from people who do not have the money to pay for it. And what that has brought us is things like the Second Amendment that very obviously need to be discussed at this point. The majority of the American people want legislation written up and new laws written to regulate gun ownership. And nobody has said we want everybody to turn in all of their weapons because that is where the... NRA, the National Rifle Association, which was supposed to be, I think, initially a safety course for gun enthusiasts, for sport, hunting, whatever. And now it's kind of turned into a political committee. Because the focus isn't on safety anymore. It's on selling more and more and more guns to the gun manufacturers so that they can make tons of money. And they do that by stoking fear. How many times have we heard over the years, mostly from Republicans, that the Democrats are going to take your guns away from you? And you know what happens every time they say that, gun sales go through the roof. But they're not taking the guns away, are they? So people just keep falling for that. And we now have more guns in this country than we do people. We have more gun violence than any other country in the world. We have more school shootings than any place else in the world. And again, all the excuses... Well, knives kill people too. So do cars. But the difference is those items serve another purpose. They were not intended to kill. Guns are intended to kill. That is what they do. So, How many more people are we going to lose, like John Lennon, for instance? How many more family members are we going to allow to be killed? And the fact of the matter is, if you live in the United States of America today, you never know when you say goodbye to someone if you're ever going to see them again. And maybe they're just running to the grocery store. Or maybe they're just going to go to a bar to meet friends for a drink real quick or have dinner. Or maybe they're just out running errands or going to a concert. Or maybe they just are going to be stuck in traffic somewhere and there's going to be stray gunfire that's going to hit them. Maybe when you see your kid walk down the sidewalk and get on the school bus, that could be the last time you ever see him alive. And that's the reality today for many parents. And how about the students, the friends who get to experience a type of fear that no one no one should ever have to experience when you see your friends shot and killed right in front of you as you're hiding, fearing for your own life while you're watching the life flow out of your friends. And every time we hear thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, well, you know what? Thoughts and prayers maybe help some people feel better about the situation, but the bottom line is it doesn't help the family who had the earner, person that supported the family, the person that had the income, doesn't help that family when that person is shot dead because they went to the Walmart. And now there's a mom and kids without a father or a father and kids without a mom. And what if they don't have any income? Their whole lives change forever. They lose their home, they've lost their mom or their dad or their loved one. How about the parents who have lost kids at school? It's not a rarity anymore, it happens regularly. Every time your kid goes out the door, there's that fear deep inside. Are they going to be okay? I can remember when I was a kid, if I wanted to go out and play with friends, mom would say, well, we're going to have dinner at about such and such a time, so make sure you're nearby. And we would be outside at night playing at a friend's house. And the way that mom and dad communicated to uh, you know to me that it was time to come home, come in for the night. They'd turn on the porch light on the front porch. We had a our house was uh, on a corner, and we would normally enter and exit through. A back door because the driveway and the garages and patios and all of that were on the back side of the house, and so that the lights on the on that back side of the house would always be on at night, but the front porch light would be off. We had uh, we had pole lights in the front yard that would come on automatically and stay on all night long, but well, I knew when I saw the porch light on that that was the signal from mom or from dad that it was time to come home. And, you know, they expected me to be home in, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. But they weren't too worried about where I was. They weren't too worried about my safety. They weren't worried that somebody was going to drive by with the windows down and just pull out a gun and start shooting. And I'm not saying that that never happened because, yes, it did. But it was rare. It didn't happen like it does today. We talk about freedom in this country. Freedom is something that we've all been guaranteed. We have a right to freedom. Are you really free if you're a kid in school and you're worried That somebody's going to come through the door with a gun and start killing people in your classroom? Are you free when you go into a business, a store, or a movie theater, or a restaurant, or whatever, and you immediately look around for exits so that you know where to go in case somebody starts shooting? Do you ask for tables that aren't right by the window if there's a street out there because you, you know, don't want to be in the line of fire? Is that freedom? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it to me. It doesn't seem like we are a free country. Right now, we are catering to the gun manufacturers who spend a great deal of money on lobbying members of Congress and people at the state level as well. And we're supposed to ignore, really, what the Second Amendment says, at least parts of it. We ignore... Completely that opening preamble, a well regulated militia. That is ignored completely. You have states now where no background checks, no permits, no safety training, no nothing. how is that well regulated well regulated means that there's there's some regulation there are some laws there's some oversight and it would be through the government at any rate we lost a incredible talent back in December of 1980. And once you lose someone like that, they never come back. And if you want to remember them and do right by their memory, we need to take steps to make sure that things change so that more people like them don't suffer the same fate. And that's part of the reason that I'm doing this podcast is because I feel somebody needs to speak up on behalf of my mother who cannot speak up anymore. She did not like guns. She had a fear of guns. I don't know if she... Felt like there was something involving guns in the future with her. If she had some sort of a a uh, vision of the future, she didn't say. All I know is that she was frightened by guns. And I will have, I have a story that I can tell about that as well. But I'm just one person of many, many people living in the United States today that remember someone that they loved, that they didn't get to spend the amount of time with that they should have because of guns. How long are we going to allow our loved ones to die in this manner? We need to make some changes, America, and we've got to follow the money trail to do it. And how we accomplish that is (laughs) something for probably a great many discussions to come. Rest in peace, John Lennon, and thank you. For your time, I appreciate you listening to my podcast. Take care. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at federal andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy safe and healthy and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week.